0: I'm not sure what song that was what song bright in the corner where you are okay I I'm not the best I usually have to have my wife next to me to tell me what these songs are (laughs) but a big thanks to those who serve in the music ministry thank you for your faithfulness and I appreciate you using your talents for the Lord it is a blessing to the Lord I'm sure but also to us as well and so thank you very much but Decker speaking of blessing um this guy has been a blessing uh, to me and to our church already. It um, was a great blessing in the uh, Sunday school hour and then morning service, just outstanding. And then I got to have an s- extra extra hour with him at lunch and uh, enjoyed the time with he and his wife. And I just appreciate their heart for the Lord, their joy. Uh, serving the Lord and for 47 years and still has joy, that's, that's great. That's a blessing. Uh, the the ministry can can make someone cynical if they're not careful, and I'm thankful that this this couple is they have the joy of the Lord in their heart, and uh, that's that's a great blessing, brother. It's on you're on. Come preach to us. Thank you. All right. I'm set my coke bottle up there,
1: and I can tell right now that some of the younger ones in here have no idea what that is, but. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll explain it in a minute as as we go along, and so it, it's certainly been good to be with you, and we've enjoyed the fellowship time uh, with your pastor and his wife at uh, at lunch, and they fed us really well. I'll tell you what, man, I'm just uh, you know I was uh, <clears throat> I had to. Uh, uh, let it settle, so to speak, you know. And uh, I uh, I told my wife, I said, I kind of overdid it, I think, you know. So uh, my son, when he was real little one time, we were eating, and I kind of had extra, and he was real little. And he said, Dad, you ate too much. He said, if you get up there to preach tonight, you're going to go to say, and John said, burp. <laughs> and I said, I hope not, son. That would be really, really, really embarrassing, you know. But I hope you get something out of the message tonight. You know, uh, uh, every time I think about that, in Kentucky, we have a monthly youth rally. We've had it for years. First Friday night of every month, we have several churches that bring their young people together and have a youth rally. And we were having one in Glasgow, Kentucky, and uh And uh, this is a true story, by the way. Now, I was there and and witnessed this. And so so the churches had come and brought teenagers. Well, there was one little boy. He wasn't a teenager, but we have some that come sometimes uh, with them. And and that little boy wanted a front row seat. So he sat in the pews, long pews, and he sat right up here on this side of the platform. And so we were doing the singing, and we have Bible quizzes, and we have... uh, 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 what is it? Yeah, sword drills, and we have all that stuff, and uh, and sometimes skits. And during all that, this little kid over here, he slid over in the pew, and he went to sleep. He's laying right there, asleep in that front pew. Well, the, the preacher that's preaching the youth rally right that night, sitting on this side, and of course he's not sure, you know, when he's getting ready to preach, how long it's going to take for all the preliminaries and everything. So he gets a tic-tac out, and he pops a tic-tac in his mouth. And no sooner than he pops the tic-tac in his mouth, the host pastor says, now, brother, it's time for preaching. Just come right on up here and preach. We'll do the rest of it afterwards. Well, he does what we preachers do when you've got something like that, a mint or a tic-tac. He just shoved it over in the side of his mouth to let it dissolve and went ahead. He read his text, and he's getting into his message. And he walks over here, and when he's into his message right here, that tic-tac flies out of his mouth. And it landed on that little kid's cheek that was laying right there. I mean, it landed right here on his cheek. And when it did, that little kid felt it and woke up. And he reached up with his fingers... I'm standing right behind him, two rows back. I'm watching this. And he reaches up with his finger. The preacher's up here going, no, no, no. And that little kid pulls the mint off of his jaw, looks at it, and pops it right in his mouth. And this preacher's about to have a cow up here trying to get him. And so the preacher, thinking fast, he said, now, folks, Nobody else in here may get may not get a thing out of my message tonight, but that kid's taking something home out of my message tonight, you know, so it really happened, but y'all don't have to worry. I don't have a Tic Tac in my mouth, so we're okay there, all right, but uh, anyway, uh, uh, if I uh, hadn't have been there, I'd have thought, oh, no, that kid didn't do that, but man, he didn't want to waste that candy, you know, so that's it. <laughs> Take your Bibles tonight, I'm going to give you several verses of Scripture, and uh, then I'm going to explain why I have my bottle here with me tonight, but go to Luke 6, first of all, Luke chapter 6, if you want to mark it right there, then 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. Then Matthew 16, 26. Okay. Luke 6, verse 38, if you've got that mark, Luke 6, verse 38. Notice what the scripture says Give. Then there's a comma there. In other words, a one word statement, a one word command. Give. That's it. Give. Then it continues, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Very simple. The Lord is teaching them there, give, and it'll be given to you. But more than you give. Now my, when I was a kid, my mom would, By the flour. Many of y'all know what I'm talking about. She had a canister set on the counter. She'd bring that five-pound bag of flour home. She'd put it in that round canister, and she'd start pouring that flour, and it'd it'd pile up, and she'd tap it on the counter, shake it, it'd settle down. She'd pour more. She'd tap it, shake it. You know what she was doing? It, It was being shaken together. And it was being pressed down even to that point that when she did, it would be pressed down with the lid. She had pressed that lid on there and and completely, completely filled. And so that's the principle he's giving right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Pardon me. And uh, verse number 5. It said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Let me back up just a little bit and remind you. These Macedonians here, the churches of Macedonia, had given, and in verse 2 it says, how then a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality and it says, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And I'm sure you've heard these verses. They're nothing to you, uh, new to you. Matthew chapter number 16, one verse here, Jesus speaking, and he said, "For verse 26, verse 26, for what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The worth of a soul. What is the value of a soul? Let's pray. Father, bless our time in your word. Help me, Lord, again, to bring out those things that you placed on our heart, and I pray, God, you'd use it in the hearts of each one here, in Jesus' name, we ask, Amen. Now, I brought my bottle. I had this back in my, in the, on my bookshelf, several several years ago. Actually, I just kind of hung on to a few regular glass bottles. This is actually made of glass, and I said to you, young people, you you haven't seen this because this bottle is older than you all are, and so. But the reason I did was God used this bottle to speak to my heart because notice on the top of this Coca-Cola bottle, it says money back bottle. On the other side, it says return for deposit. In other words, this this bottle, when you got this, you paid a deposit on the bottle. uh, For us in Kentucky, it was three cents. Every time you would buy Coke in a glass bottle, you gave three cents deposit on the glass bottle. When you brought the bottle back, they gave you three cents for it. Now, when I was a kid, I kept spending money all the time because you know what I did? I went around everywhere picking up bottles that people threw away. They'd pitch them beside the road, they'd pitch them out in the yard and throw them away, and I would go pick up the bottles, take them down to the corner grocery store, and cash them in. Man, I had candy money in my pocket all the time because of the deposit on the bottles. And then what happened was, eventually they came up with this composite type plastic and plastic, and they said one day, hey, No deposit, no return. What that meant was, and when they put no deposit, no return, here's what it meant. It's worthless. You can just throw it away. It has no value. I I couldn't help but thinking, folks, I'm afraid that whole philosophy... That, that phrase brought about a philosophy into our society because what happened was, hey, society quit putting a value on certain things, especially upon human life. I, I don't think you could argue with me today that our society has no value on human life. That's why so many million babies are aborted every year is because nobody sees the value of one little baby and the life. Right, amen. And I remind you, folks, we that are, are, are of my age, it may not be long until the powers be also says on the other end of the spectrum, when you're no longer useful, your, your life has no value. That's exactly right, amen? Amen? I mean, we, we see those things. So here's the title of the message tonight. No deposit, no return. You put nothing in, you get nothing back. If you go out and buy those disposable bottles, you don't pay a deposit, so it's not worth anything to you. So you put it in the trash, and it's gone. Uh, you know, I, my dad was one of those that came out in, in the Depression time, and, uh, and through the World War II, he was a, uh, in Normandy in World War II, and my dad saw value in everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He wouldn't throw nothing away because back when he was younger, you, you, you might need that later. And so he would put it somewhere where you might need it, and he saw a value, and, and he hated to throw anything away unless it was truly scrap and something that couldn't be used. And, and that's the way it was. Why? Because they learned that certain things have certain value. And so as a result, but we live in a, I call it this, we live in a throwaway society. You know, uh, things can, may take a little time and something be salvaged or fixed, but we live in a throwaway society. Just throw it away. It's, it's no good. I mean, you know, uh, I'm one of those that's, hey, I'll tell you what, I learned some things as well. My son and I were driving up the road, and and they're set a lawnmower, Look nice, and I pulled over, and there was, it was all complete, it was a, uh, 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 boy, I just forgot the name of it, one, one of the real nice ones, self-propelled electric start push mower, and there are setting in the garbage. I went up and knocked on the guy's door, and I said, you throwing that away? He said, yeah. He said, you want it? You can have it first come. Still had the manual with it and everything. I put it in the car, took it, I took it home, set it on my back porch. He said, uh, I don't want it anymore. It kind of got to acting up, so I just went and bought me a, a better one. I got a new one. I took that thing home, and all it was was the gas float was stuck on it. I took it, the, the float apart, cleaned it, put it back on there, and man, that thing, I'm still using it. Runs great. Sells for about $600. I put $22 in it. And the guy was throwing it away. Uh, you understand, are, you, are, you, are you getting where I'm coming from? Hey, we, we need to realize that there's some value in some things. That And so as a result, uh, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is the Bible says there's value in the souls of men and women. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, what I want to bring to you tonight is this matter of, uh, of of investing, and dividends, or the Bible principles called this sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. That's what the verses we just read is about sowing and reaping. Uh, and, and so, as a result, uh, we need to realize that if we don't put something in you're not going to get anything out. That's that simple. If you don't invi- invest, there's no dividends. And, and, and the way we invest in the things of the Lord is by our service to the Lord in what we do in trying to win others to Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He said it himself in Luke 19.10. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was in an ACE school meeting, and and Mr. Kathy that owns Chick-fil-A, and I'm not necessarily uh, advertising for him, but I like Chick-fil-A. But Mr. Kathy was speaking at that. And and Mr. Kathy said this, and I appreciate what he said and and respected it. Here's what he said. He said, people have said that Chick-fil-A is a Christian business. He said, but I have to differ with you. It is a Christian business owned business. But it's not a Christian's business, he said. He said there's only one Christian business. And he said that was a that was a mandate. He said that was a command given to the church and that was to go into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature and winning folks to Jesus Christ. And I could say amen. That's true. That's so true. But... We've got to invest in it. We've got to invest in it. And I'm not just talking about our money, folks. That's part of it. But here, those churches in Macedonia, he said they gave themselves first. And then they gave out of their, I I love that. I got a message I preach entitled, Give Like a Poor Man. Because those people were poor people. They gave out of their, the Bible says it this way, they gave out of their deep, Poverty, yeah, they were people you'd say, well, they can't afford to give, but they did, but they did. And so we find here, hey, the importance of sowing in order that we could reap. We read there in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm gonna to try to get this out, but I may go over a little bit, preacher, is that all right, okay? Second Corinthians chapter nine. Verse six. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That principle is there. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. We reap what we sow. The Bible tells us we reap what we sow. We sow, we need to be sowing and investing in the right things so that we can see a return. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see a return on your investment. That's okay. Hey, by the way, Jesus there uses that illustration of the master giving the talents to his servants, and while he's gone, what did he expect? He expected a return. As a matter of fact, the one that did nothing with it ended up getting punished because he did nothing with it rather than investing it and bringing a return back to it. God gives us what we have to use for his honor and his glory. It's to be sown in the Lord's work. And so we see that we reap what we sow. Can I tell you this? I heard this years ago and it's so true. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Did you get that? People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And we need to show that we care by investing in missions. That's what missions is all about. People that we don't know their names, but we know they have a soul. We know they need Jesus. And we give in order that we can obey the command of the Lord. And so we find that. Not only that, we reap what we sow. We reap as a rule later than we sow. We, As a rule, most of the time, we reap later than we sow. Uh, you say, what are you talking about? Well, anybody here have a garden? Now, if you plant seed in a garden. <laughs> now, I'm one of these type of guys, I got to confess. I'll plant my green beans, you know. I'll come in the next day and guess where I head? Out to the garden. It's only been one day. You say, why well, are you going out there? Well, I just want to see by chance if those green beans sprouted and they're growing. But normally that does not happen, amen? It's going to take several days for that seed to germinate and for it to come forth out of there. And so it's going to take a while, and then there's going to be a growing time that that plant has to grow before I'm going to go pick the tomatoes or the green beans or the corn, it's, it's going to take some time. But that's what we sow for. We sow Now, you know, they, they, we have what we call short-term investment and long-term investment. Now, a short-term investment I like. You know what a short-term investment is? It's when you invest in something and turn right around and reap a dividend. You say, what are you talking about spiritually? Well, let me just give you a personal example. I was uh, pastoring in Scottsville, Kentucky, starting the church there, and I got a call one night, and the call was an elderly lady, and she lived in the city of Louisville. And she said to me, is this Brother Decker? And I said, yes. And she said, you pastor in Scottsville? And I said, yes. And she said, well, sir, my pastor is on a mission trip, and the associate pastor... Uh, gave me your name. My sister's passed away, and and the pastor's not here to do the funeral. And since uh, he, he recommended you to do it. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, uh, which funeral home in Scottsville is she at? Oh, she said, she's not in a funeral home in Scottsville. She's up here in Louisville. The associate pastor, they were from Scottsville and thought that's where her sister was going to be buried at, but that wasn't it. So I said to her, ma'am, oh, listen, you're in Louisville. I can recommend several pastors right up there in Louisville do your sister's funeral. And she said, oh, no, no, they recommended you. So would you be willing to come up and preach the funeral? And I said, well, yes, ma'am, if, if you would like, for me, I will. Well, my mom and dad and relatives lived in Louisville. That's where I was from. And so I said, yeah. Now, one thing I didn't tell that lady was, I didn't get any salary that week. I had just enough gas to get to Louisville, but I wasn't sure about getting home. and so, I, But I agreed to go. So I go by the funeral home. This lady's 95 or 96 years old. And I, I go by, she's a Christian, and talk to her sister and I preach her funeral and the little lady insists that I take something. So she slipped something in my pocket that took care of my gas. But my mom called me and she said, Son... Your cousin is in the hospital. He's had a heart attack. And while you're up here, you might want want to go by and visit him. And so after the funeral, I drove to downtown Louisville to the hospital he was at, and I walked down the hallway, and I get to the door, and my cousin is laying in the bed. And he looks at me, and he just turns kind of white. And then he goes, Joe, is that you, Joe? And I said, last time I checked, it's me, Larry. He said, Joe, I was just laying here saying, I sure wish I could talk to Joe. I got some things I need to get taken care of. He said, I've had a heart attack, Joe, and I may not live. He said, can you tell me how I can go to heaven? And man, he was ready. Holy Spirit had him ready. I led him to Christ there. Hey, that's a short-term investment. I mean, it doesn't always happen that quick. But he trusted Jesus Christ. And the Lord used the funeral to get me to Louisville. Took care of my expenses. I'll tell you what I did. I got back to Scottsville that night. And when I got back, I called that little lady. And I said, ma'am, your sister kept saying, to you, She didn't know why God was leaving her here. She didn't know why God was leaving her here because she was ready to go. Why well, he just didn't take her home. I said, I got the answer to your sister's question. He left her here so he could use her death to get me to Louisville to lead my cousin to Jesus Christ. And she said, well, glory. And blah, 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 she dropped the phone down. <laughs> That's the short-term investment. Doesn't always work that way. We had the Richardson family in our church. There was brothers married sisters. One brother got saved. Both the sisters got saved. But Paul was a holdout. He didn't want to get saved. And we went and witnessed to him. And he even got a little aggravated at us because of going by and talking to him and witnessing. He'd come to the door with a beer in his hand and say, if they want to go to church, that's fine. No problem. My wife wants to go. My brother wants to hey, they, they, they can Not for me. Not for me. So we, we kind of backed off for a while, had a young man come to visitation. Never been on visitation before, new Christian. We put him with one of our older men that goes on visitation. And so we prayed, and they're getting ready to go. And the older man said, I'm going to visit Paul tonight. We said, now, Paul, he's he probably going to get upset at you if you go by there. He said, well, I don't know, but I feel like the Lord's telling me I need to go by and see Paul, taking this young man with him. That night they went up to Paul's door and knocked on the door. Paul came to the door, didn't have a beer in his hand. He came to the door, and he said this. Okay, I was expecting you guys. Just come on in. I need to get this thing taken care of. And so he got saved. When they got back, we usually had a little bit of a testimony time. This young guy that had never been on visitation before... You know what? I'm going to give a testimony. All I've heard is how difficult it is to talk to people. All all I've heard is how hard it is to go out and witness to people. He said, man, we knocked on the guy's door. He fell on his knees and got saved. (laughs) He didn't realize all the investment others had put in there. He got to reap the dividend really quick in his time that he went. And bless, praise God, I, I love it when it happens that way. God sometimes prepares the heart. And send you there and you, you reap the, the soul that quick. But a lot of times it's a long-term investment. Bowling Green, Kentucky, we are, we've become a melting pot of the world. It's not that large of a place. But uh, we have some uh, doctor's wives who sponsored uh, immigrants coming in. And we now have some 8,000 Muslims that have come to Bowling Green, some about 3,000 Burmese that's come to Bowling Green. We now have a Nigerian community that's come to Bowling Green. Hey, the world has come to us. Several, a few years ago when the Burmese came in, we had Bible school. One of our buses went out the first night and came back with hardly anybody on it. And those workers said, we're going to go out and get our bus filled. And the next day, they went out visiting, and they went to where all the Burmese were living at. And they came in with 54 on their bus that night. And they said, Brother Decker, we got them here. There's only one problem. They're Burmese, and some of them don't speak English. And I said, I don't speak Burmese. And so But they came in. Kids pick it up fast. On Thursday night, little girl sitting right in the middle, right back here, and little girl stepped out, Burmese girl. She came forward. I said, what's your name? She said, Lu Chen. I said, Lu Chen, what'd you come for? She said, Lu Chen need Jesus in here. And I got one of our ladies, and I said, take her and deal with her. But I said, be careful, because I'm not sure how much she understands. So, so explain things and, just, and, 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 and talk to her. Well, Lu Chen, she understood well. And Lu Chin got saved, and so she started coming to church. She started growing. Man, she was just memorizing the scripture verses and everything. Well, I was home off the road, and I was supplying, filling the adult Sunday school class. And I looked back, and there was a Burmese adult man sitting back over here. And after Sunday school, I went to him and I said, "Sir, it's good to have you today." I said, "Are you by? Are you perhaps Burmese?" And he said, "I am. I'm from Burma." And I said, uh, you wouldn't by any chance be kin to Lu Chin, would you? And he said, Lu Luchin, my daughter. He said, uh, I said, oh, we love Lu Luchin, so glad she got saved. And he said, oh, we too glad she got saved. He said, we got little boy now, we want to have Jesus. And I said to him, sir, are you saved? Oh, he said, I'm saved. I said, did you get saved since you came to the States? Oh, no, he said, saved in Burma. And I said, did a missionary lead you to the Lord? Oh, he said, missionary long time lead my family to Christ, and then they have led us to the Lord through the years. I said, long time missionary? I had been just reading about Adniram Judson. And I said to him, well, there was a missionary 200 years ago by the name of Adniram Judson. He said, Judson, Judson is missionary who brought Jesus to my people. Folks, I'm getting goosebumps right now. 200 years ago, a man left and went to Burma. He he was there and for years didn't see anybody get saved. He had a wife that died and children that died there in Burma. And I'm going to tell you something. Hey, here we are 200 years later and he's still reaping dividends for his investment. Hallelujah. Did you know what? God's work is the only thing you can invest in that will continue to give you dividends even after you leave here and go to heaven. Amen. That was the fruit of Adoniram Judson still working today. And then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, man, alive, that's the way God's work is. You, you invest, and you never know how God's going to use it and where it's going to go to. I, I got to thinking, you know, and I was talking to your, your pastor even beforehand. J.T. McCracken, which is from here, moved to Kentucky, and he pastored the Grace Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, the church I'm out of back in the 60s. And so he was back there and and, and pastoring. There was a little girl, i say in the 50s, maybe in the late 50s, early 60s, and there was a little girl by the name of Melinda Applin that was there. And she came forward as a little girl, and Mrs. Geneva McCracken led her to Christ. She got saved. She ended up marrying a preacher, going to Bible college. And they came back to their home church at Grace Baptist Church. And her husband pastored in Grace Baptist Church. He's retired now, but he was a pastor. There was a boy by the name of Jason Gaddis growing up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And that boy, Jason Gaddis, got under conviction. As a second grade boy, I believe is what it was. And Miss Melinda Carson led Jason Gaddis to the Lord. And God called him to preach. And he went off to Bible college. And now he pastors Southwest Baptist Church across town. And in that church he pastors is several of the McCracken children. Geneva McCracken did not realize that when she led Melinda to the Lord, she was leading the lady that was going to lead her family's pastor to Christ, and they were going to reap the benefits of it generations later. Are you following me? Did, did I get you lost in the in the route here? I mean, through all those times, God's working, and even her investment in, in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, all those years is still reaping dividends. Because every time one of them leads somebody to Christ, you know what? That's fruit to their account. Amen. And and that little girl, man, I'll tell you what, In in, in Burma coming to the States, and now we've seen several of the Burmese get saved. And and even uh, 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 one of them called to preach. And so can I tell you this tonight? Somebody invested in you. Who is it that led you to Jesus? Can you think tonight? Was it a mom? Was it a dad? Was it a preacher? Who led you to Jesus? Somebody did. Somebody took the time to talk to you. Somebody invested in your life. And if they didn't, uh, not only did the person that led you to Christ invest your life, but probably invested in your life to grow as a Christian. I look back in my life, and I thank God for the people that took time to invest in my life. My pastor I surrendered is now in heaven. He got Alzheimer's, and he was in North Carolina, and I I went over to see him. He's in a wheelchair. And the last thing he said to me with a voice that was so weak, he pulled me down right by his mouth, and he said, Brother Joe, keep preaching. Keep preaching. Don't quit. You know what? I've heard those words many times through my ministry down through the years. He invested himself in me. Do you know your return on somebody's investment Here's the question. What kind of return are you? How is your life adding up for Christ? What, what kind of return? What, 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 what dividend are you seeing come about? This is my last thing. I'm done. We reap more than we sow. Praise God. I'm glad when you sow one kernel of corn, you don't just get one kernel of corn. That'd take a long time to get enough to eat, amen? But you get a whole cob of corn. And usually on one stalk, maybe three cobs of corn. You plant one bean, and you get a vine full of beans. Amen. You get more than you reap. I'm glad, and I'm gonna tell you something. When we invest in God's work, we reap even more. I got, I got, I gotta give you one more illustration. I was pastoring in Scottsville, Kentucky. I had participated in faith promise ever since I got saved, uh, and so I shared in Sunday school this morning. First time Denise and I marked a card, one dollar, and then God blessed that, and we kept giving, kept giving. But I was down in Scottsville, Kentucky. Easter Sunday came around. I did not have my faith promise preacher. I didn't have it. I just didn't have any money, and I had not. And here's what I said to the Lord that morning: "Lord, I'm sorry. I I don't have it. I can't give it if I don't have it. But Lord." When I get it, it's yours. Whenever I get it, it's yours. I'm not going to keep it. I don't have it today, but when I get it, it's yours. Well, my family had come down from Louisville for Easter, and so as soon as service was over, my brother had just moved down. We went to his house to have dinner together. And so we went uh, there, and my sister, I said, i got to leave and get ready for Sunday night. And my sister walked over, and she stood. And she said, her husband, David, said, give this to you. You might could use it. I thought, "Mm mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to be tactful, so I didn't look right then. Amen. My brother had a long driveway going out of his place, so I drove down to the end of that driveway and got to the stop sign, and I knew this is it. But you know what? I kind of knew what was in my pocket. And when I pulled it out of there, you know what it was? Once I tithed, it was my tithe and my faith promise to the penny. That was it. Nothing extra, but it was my tithe and my faith promise. And I said, now, Lord, I know what I said this morning. (laughs) But, Lord, I don't have anything else. And what if my kid needs some milk or, or bread? Lord, I'm sorry. Maybe I ought to keep this, and I'll double up when I get it. And the Holy Spirit said to me inside, that's not what you said. You said when you got it, you would give it. You say, oh, so you settled it. No, I didn't settle it. I got home preparing my sermon for that night. I pulled the money out and looked at it. I had my offering envelope, but I wouldn't put it in there. And I said, but Lord, you know, I don't have anything else for this whole week. I don't know where it's going to come from. So, Lord, I wouldn't cheat you out of anything. So, But if I hang on to it, Lord, then, then I will make sure to make it up. And the Holy Spirit said to me, but that's not what you said. You said when you got it, you would give it. I went to church. I had the money in this pocket, and I had the offering envelope in this pocket. It was already filled out, but nothing was in it. They came to take the offering, and while they were praying, I took the money out of this pocket, and I stuck it in the envelope, and I put it in the offering plate, and it was done. And I preached, and I got done preaching, and I'm standing at the back door, and one of the men comes by me, and he says, Preacher, come out on the porch a minute. He said, Preacher, I know things have been lean and the money hasn't been there. And he said, you know, tonight I'm sitting there listening to you. He said, after the offering, Preacher. Now, he said those words. After the offering, God spoke to my heart. And Preacher, don't argue with me. God told me to do this, and he handed me a check. And that check was 10 times what I had put in the offering plate that night. You'll never convince me that that check would have never been there had I kept the money in my pocket. God honored it because that's who our God is. That's right, you can trust him. Hey, invest and you get back more than you ever give. Hey, did you know what? I, I had a man in Cincinnati he was telling me, he said, Brother Decker, his name was Jim Strange, a preacher. He said, there was a little girl that lived next to us, and she went to church, and she said, my little sister, the youngest of us all, there was there was a whole gang of them, and said she came over to the house and wanted to go to Sunday school and church with her. And they, they took my little sister to church because of this little girl, and said this little girl would come over with my sister and say, we want all of you to come to Sunday school and church. And said they... We started going one by one with them. They went out and bought a bigger car so they could take my mother and us kids because my dad didn't want nothing to do with church. But my mother and my brothers and sisters, we piled in a station wagon that they went out so they could take us to church. He said, Brother Decker, the other day we sat down and because of that little girl and her care for the neighbor's kids and going over and trying to get neighbors to come to church, he said, Brother Decker, there's 80 people in my family that's been saved because that little girl took the time. And he said, in that 80, there are five independent fundamental Baptist preachers now because that little girl cared enough to take the time and go and get another neighbor kid and her family to church. Uh, What a, what a return. Amen. What an investment. You know what? Investment. Say, Brother Decker, what are you talking about? I'm talking about not just your money. I'm talking about you. young people and older people alike, we've got a real need on the mission field. All the missionaries that surrendered back after World War II are having to come home or they're going to heaven. Year before last, every missionary we had come through our church was a veteran missionary. And without exception, every one of them came, and here's what they said from the pulpit. There's nobody to take our place. We probably need to come home and take care of some things, but we have nobody to take our place. We've invested our life. We need more laborers. We need to. I thank God this summer in the camps I was in, For the last few summers, we saw very few surrendering to full-time service. But this year, we saw more than ever yielding and surrendering their life to full-time service. There's a real need. My generation is getting older. Pulpits are opening up like crazy around the country, young men. We're needing somebody that'll pick this book up And say, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll yield. I'll yield. One preacher said this in one of the meetings I was in. He said, I think God's still calling. I'm just afraid too few are answering. Too few are answering. Investment, hope. No deposit, no return. You don't invest, you get nothing back. You got to put something in if you want to get something back. What are you investing in? What are you putting your energy and your effort into? What are you putting your finances and means into? No deposit, no return. Fixing to take a faith promise offering right here. No deposit, no return. I'm looking forward to get to heaven because God keeps great records and having somebody from another country come up and say, never have met you before, but you helped send a missionary. And because of that, I'm here in heaven today. Amen. Bow our heads. Thank you for your patience. I took longer than I should have. But tonight, no deposit, no return. Let's stand with our heads bowed. I'm going to pray and turn it over to the pastor. Father, you know our hearts. You know how you've spoken. Lord, help us each one tonight to examine our involvement. Have we invested ourselves? Have we invested our means? Have we deposited into your work? God, we can see a dividend for you. And, Lord, you're the one, Lord, that gave your life on Calvary and you invested so that we could be saved. What kind of return, ultimately, the question is, Lord, for all of us, what kind of return are we for you out of the great investment that you made on the cross to Calvary? Bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher.
0: As, uh, Ms. Pat begins to play. If you need to take some time right where you are. In fact, let's go ahead and be seated. And uh, if you need to take some time right where you are, and pray. Have a time of decision. This is the time. If you haven't yet asked the Lord what uh, he would have you give towards worldwide evangelism, now's the time to ask because we're going to be filling out those cards in just a few moments. No deposit, no return. What are you willing to deposit for his glory and for his honor so that you can indeed get a return down the road? Father, we're thankful for the challenge tonight. Help us, Lord, to be willing to invest in things that are eternal, in the souls of men. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to be sacrificial tonight. Uh, Help us, Lord, to have faith that you'll provide. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless this uh, time of commitment now as uh, we mark these cards, and and as we, uh, by faith, uh, promise to keep these commitments uh, throughout this year as we give towards those who would go and uh, give the gospel to those who need it. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you would at this time, we're going to go ahead and fill out our cards. If you have already filled it out, that's okay, but you haven't filled it out what we're going to do is this big portion uh, will be given in just a moment and then this portion is something for you to keep as a prayer reminder and so that you can go in and adjust your online giving if you do it that way or just a reminder of what you uh, promised tonight